together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us take our seats, please. Well, this session, we are starting now 12 minutes late, but we'll finish it right on the time. The first two sessions in the morning was like um, God setting the foundation. Now, but in the midst of the messages you have had in both sessions, you have had everything I want to teach you. Because if you follow um, Doc very, very closely, you will discover that what he was doing was that he would read a scripture and he would tell you something. He would read a scripture and tell you something. He would read a scripture and tell you something. He would read a scripture and tell you something. And in reading the scriptures and telling you things, those things, they have covered, he had covered all what I tell you. We discover that those scriptures, you know, um, express them. What I want to talk about is ministerial rules of engagement and ministers' mental development. I will begin from the scripture in the book of Isaiah 54 that he say, you know, he read to you. In the book of Isaiah 54, I saw him read this. Really, if you read from verse 1, he started from verse 1, but the main message is in 2 to 5. Isaiah 54. It says in verse 1, single barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into songs, shout for joy, you who were not in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And I think what God is saying there is summarized on this, he that watches the wind will not so. And it says something very strongly to you that this convention, and I will, I, will, I will buttress that, this convention to you is not successful unless you have a vision from this convention which must be fulfilled before next year. You cannot come here, go home, and remain by this time next year in every ramifications. As you came here, you must increase personally in your personal spiritual life. We have a lot of cloud of witnesses from God during this very week, a lot of encounters that will challenge your heart. And God has been narrowing down to the fact that one, your self-development. All the scriptures that he read is pointing to you to develop yourself. I remember I told you, over the past few days, a, a, the, a church cannot grow beyond the shepherd. You want to prosper? You want your members to prosper? You have to prosper. You want your members to be prayerful? You have to be prayerful. You want your members to be able to fast? You must fast. You want your members to know the word of God? Your head must be hot with the word of God. If you are a failure, your members will be failures. Even you would destroy the morale of those who want to succeed. And so, you have a cloud of weakness about that. So, therefore, 
you must have a vision here that is looking at what you were, the churches that you pastor, what's, where were you before you came here, and all what God has been teaching you. How would you apply this to make sure that when you come next year, at least you have a hundred percent growth in everything from you to the church? If you look at that scripture that he read to you, that very uh, Isaiah 54, the second verse says, Enlarge the place of your tent. That is, change the way you think. Because it began by saying that the one who did not conceive will have more children. In other words, a barren woman who cannot, she begins to see herself as a mother of many. So he said to you that you must look beyond the physical circumstance around you now. Why did God say enlarge the place of your tent? And say stretch out your curtain wide. Do not hold back. Why? For you will spread out. It is not until you begin to grow that you plan for growth. I told you, God will not give you numerical growth if your present structure cannot take it. You, there's something doctor said. She, he said when they started nursing homes, he is the first person to start nursing home in the history of Ireland, a, a, single, a single person, an individual. When he started, people were, people were really, many people rose up. That is, they started doing the same thing, and they soon closed down. But when people were closing down their own, he was building more. He was thinking years ahead. He, he said, for every year, they train staff for next year. That is, they train staff for a vision that they have not yet built. I don't know whether you understand that. They are training staff for a vision that is not yet built. I was discussing with him yesterday because, you know, myself and him talk a lot whenever they come. He asked me several questions, asking things. And I was telling him, he was saying to me that in your teaching about governance, did you, did you talk about um, succession plan? I said, yes, of course, you got it. And we started discussing what succession plan is. And I said, I told the people here, I have trained 10 years down line. That is 50 years younger than me. Who will take over from me? So people who are in their 40 to 50, 30 to 40, uh, 20 to 30, 10 to 20, and 0 to 10. Now, and I said to him that, I shared with you this how I got them trained. When a child is conceived in CFT, I am the shepherd. I ask God about that child in the womb. When the child is born, I go to the parents to name the baby, and I will tell the parents the spiritual mandate of that child and the career that child will be. Today, in CFT, I have children now who are in their 30s, who I spoke about those things concerning them. That's where they are. I have children who are in their 20s, who what I spoke about them, that's what they are becoming. I have children who are in their teenagers. What I spoke on the day of their christening, that's what they are becoming. And they are manifesting it too, both in the spirit and in the physical. I, re- I remember the boy who, I, told, I think I may share that with you. I told the boy that I just saw, flick, he, he, he joined the church newly, but he was in the youth choir. And they were in the youth choir as they were singing. I was looking at them, and the Lord showed me that boy was sitting as a judge in England. I said, when they were coming, like, come, 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 you are a judge, you know. Do you know that statement changed that boy from that time? 
The boy is now planning to become a lawyer. This is about four or five years ago. It changed the way he, he, he studied since the time he heard what I said. This is the one who was not born in my hand. Alright? He spoke with me very recently. And I said to him, I will mentor you because I've gone ahead of you now in the field of law. I will be your mentor. And I, I, what God has said about you will come to pass. He changed the way he thinks. He changed the way he behaves. And of course, he's committed to the Lord. You see what I'm saying to you? You enlarge the place of your tent not because there is room for people to come. You don't buy chairs because people crowd are coming. You buy chairs when you don't have crowd. I would be now. But let me say this to you before we go into because what I'm talking about is about critical thinking, mind development of minister. A minister must be thinking ahead of his church. He's like a father who has children. He thinks about his death when the children are thinking about his life. He prepares for after death when the children even don't have any knowledge about whether he will die or not. Not because he's old as to die, but because he sees responsibility as children. So a shepherd must be responsible. And a shepherd must plan for his members, every member in your church. If you do not shepherd them, God cannot increase your number no matter what you do. Because the principle of the Spirit is that you have been, you have been faithful in little, then I will make you a master over. I will together now. So that's what just says, enlarge the place of your tent, for you will spread out to the right to the left, your descendant will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate city. So because of the descendants to come, succession plan, God is saying, do a plan now. Do a plan now. It says, look at verse 4. Do not be afraid. You will not suffer shame. What is it trying to deal with? I don't have money. How can I start division? Start. You will not suffer shame. (laughs) Do what you have in your hand. Put it into use. All right? Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. He's dealing with all this uncertainty of how can I step out? What about, what about, what about? No. You see, what God is saying to you, uh, when we go through, through this now, you know, liturgically, you get it. Can you please tell uh, Dickin Charles, I've sent an email to him. I wanted to print that writing back and front together. He can use my printer if his printer cannot do that. I want to give them out now. So, you know, the uncertainties that many of you have is what God is talking about. Forget about your uncertainty. Any organization without a succession plan will fail in the life of the chief executive, not after he's gone. Because the, the understanding of planning for succession will enable you to create people in various portfolios who will be useful. You know, we were talk- I was talking with him this morning. That's why he turned his face to me and said that. When he said, you must not sleep. And he said, I should be careful. <laughs> this is what happened. This is what happened. When I came this morning, I couldn't meet you at the, min- uh, the morning today. Because yesterday, when you all left, I had a submission to do, which I have to read a lot. 
So I stayed back and I read till 11.30 because I have to submit that before 12. I submitted it. Then I have an assignment which was supposed to be submitted at 12, but my lecturer always recognized that I'm a bishop and I have a lot of church commitment. So when I submit it in the midnight in the morning, he doesn't really penalize me. Now, so I now left here at 11.45 or whatever. When I got home, I now started to read the next submission. The next submission is about environmental effects in bank giving loan, or what are the consequences, legal consequences of a bank when a bank gives a loan to an organization that, by virtue of that loan, the activity they engage in destroys the environment. So when, is that bank liable for anything? And I was supposed to compare UK jurisdiction with American jurisdiction and get a distinction, which means I have to read the Supreme Court cases of UK and, and America and, and here. So I started it by 1 a.m. Because we got to me about after 12. And I read till morning. And I got dressed and I'm here throughout today. So when I was talking with Dr. Stacy, he was asking me about my, I my day. I said, wow, this is interesting. I said, do you know what happened? This law degree had changed the way I, I sleep, the way I eat, the way... Food is no more concern for me. I eat once in a day and eat very, very little at a time. If I eat more than little, I'll be fed up. Really, if you give me meal, big meal, I, I will, the hunger will stop. That's what I, I am now. And I said to him, because we looked at other issues about homosexual uh, uh, commission to, you know, we want to, there's, a, there's an ambassador who just arrived who they want us to go together and minister in Ireland and stuff like that to confront the media about homosexuality in this country. He was on BBC just last week, you know, confronting such things. I, I'm always called by LBC radio here when it comes to matters like that. So we're talking about that. And I said to him, do you know what? This new course I went to do has retrained me. So now it means I can pray for three days without sleeping when I finish. Because I read for three days without tiredness. I read all night from Saturday to Sunday and do three services on Sunday and I'm still fine. So which means I can sit down on Saturday with God and be in his presence till morning of Sunday and go and minister on Sunday. I said the devil is in trouble. Because the discipline that I'm having by doing my LLM is not going to, I'm not going to jump because once you're a reader in law, you're forever a reader or you become an obsolete lawyer. So I will still be reading, but that energy now I will turn it towards God. If you cannot pay the price, God cannot trust you with reward. I will together now. And that, that applies to every aspect of your life. So I'm saying this because I wanted to make sure that what the man of God said drives back into us very, very well. He say, do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not, you, you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the, the reproach of your widow. And say, for the Lord is your, the, the, for your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called who? The God of the Holy. Let me say this to you. God told me something very recently that every one of us, He had given us 
Potential to be extremely rich. God told me that. But what happened on earth is that many believers don't use their potentials. We chase shadow and we leave the object. In this week, I want you to drive into yourself and I want you at the end of this lecture tomorrow, you will write for me what is inside you. What are the abilities you have? You will state them. Then you will now write the abilities, you will mark the abilities you have that you are not using. Alright? My last lecture with you will look into how to turn those abilities into use. For me, this is what I decided. This church has 430 acres of land, which we designed to be a city. But we, if we designed to be a city and we have not been able to build a city, what do we do in the land? Farm, that's it. You farm. I was talking with one of the, some of the members in London here, on CFT here, and one of them told me about a man called Dakota in Nigeria. Okay, that Dakota of a man, not born again. Okay, now listen, that man is not born again, but he's doing God's will. Let me help you understand. Nigeria has changed, they are, they are trying to centralize so that people can export from the country. A young lady, or middle rank age lady, went to Harvard and studied MBA. And she came back to Nigeria and went to hire farm and started planting tomatoes for exports. She made millions. Dakota now said, ah, if they are, they are having tomatoes in the market rotting, okay, why can't I, as an industrialist, build a company to change the tomato to puree and paste so that they don't export, import again to Nigeria. And he invested his money there. That's what churches should be doing. That's what you have big money. But let me say this to you. Another young man in Cote d'Ivoire who didn't have money, he didn't hear about the lady. They all started around about the same time because when God gives vision to the earth, many people pick it up all over the world. The same thing you, you know, some other people know it. God does that because many people hear from God, they don't use it. Anybody who attempts to use it, God bless him. Either he's a believer or not a believer, if he's a human being. Genesis chapter 11 verse 6. So, that boy decided to be, to be planting tomatoes, he doesn't have money. So he went to people and told them that, give me a million. I will give you back two million in six months. Give me five million. I'll give you back five million in six months plus your five million. So, at the beginning, people gave him little, little money. He went and he leased a land and was planting tomatoes. Tomato, if you invest in tomato three months, you will harvest it. The other three months, you will harvest. So, the first harvest he harvested. 200% of his investment. That's what tomato gives you per square meter. That is, it doesn't work at all. You know, when tomato is rotten, the rotten tomato is still useful. So, he took 1 million, those he took 1 million from 500 from. In six months, he had made five, the one he took a million from, he had made about uh, two, 5 million. And he went to the person and gave him 2 million. What? Okay, I will give you 10 million. Yeah? So the people now went to bank, and they were borrowing money from banks. 
Before you know it, he has hundreds of millions. And he extended his land lease. And the guy became a multimillionaire. Boom. When that happened, the banks, controlled by French government, said no. How can they investigated and they found out that people are coming to borrow money from us. And within six months, they bring it back. Bank cannot prosper like that because bank needs somebody who will take loan for years. So they ask all of them, that, ah, the money you borrow, how are you bringing it back? And everybody traces it to that boy. Not only that, he now began to raise other scouts who he will invest and set up. You know, when he set people up, they will bring him back income to him from what they get. But they too will grow. And then the bank and the government became threatened. This is not a fiction. The boys are about. Really, I've told pastor to go and look for all of them. I'm taking them to Nigeria to go and walk on Jesus City. Let me say this to you. That boy, the bank now decided with the government to arrest him because they said he's, he's spoiling bank business. The boy fled. All other boys, they arrested some of them, they put them in jail. Yes, in Cote d'Ivoire. You see why apostles have to finish law now? I will sue some governments. It's a matter of world court. The French government especially. So, that's the issue. But the boy is a millionaire now, in a short time, from the ground. Let me say this to you, therefore. You are going to look at what God gave you tomorrow, and you will write a plan of how you will use it. All right? I told you that I'm going to tell you where the economy is shifting in, in Britain. I will do that with you. So that you can go and investigate it, and then you can invest your money into it. We have resources. We sit over resources doing nothing, and we are begging God for money. That's why we don't have it. That's why we don't have it. Now, let me go along with you. So, what I'm talking about is in line with mental development. Have they brought what they printed? Can you get Charles, please, that I need him to bring what you have printed already. Take it from him and distribute it. I'm going to go very, very fast. The first thing we look, and I will cover that for 15 minutes, is ministerial ethics. Ministerial ethics. Yesterday we looked at governance. Isn't it? Yeah, you have your letter on governance yesterday, didn't you? No. Okay. To go into ministerial ethics, let me give you four things that form bad governance. Four things that form bad governance. Yesterday we look at seven things that you need to enhance good governance. Accountability, dedication and devotion, commitment, transparency, consideration for others, success, succession plan, which is continuity, and corporate social responsibility. I gave you this yesterday, and you have the printout. But if you look at that, your printout, you will discover I wrote recipe for disaster. For any organization. Why somebody can be very prayerful and fast very well, but it does not amount to anything. Because prayer without work is dead. The first recipe for, for disaster is bad structure. You have the leaflet, there's something you can write in your book too. 
The second recipe for disaster is bad policies. A bad policy is a policy that does not address the purpose of structure. You remember the four, the four purposes of a trustee. Okay? And that will help you understand this, that. Bad policy, you have a structure, but your policy does not address your legitimate aim. Number three, bad accountability. is a recipe for bad structure. Accountability is dual. You have internal and external control for accountability. Internal control in the sense of what you do internally, there is a proper procedure for instruction that goes down line for the execution of the instruction to come back to the top. That's internal. Good monitoring. But external control is somebody outside Checking what you are doing inside. Alright? And that is the system that I operate in Christ with Tabernacle. Every minister of this church, churches send reports to me. They send me email. I was showing one of the pastors yesterday. I will say that I think now I can say this and we can commend the party. This year, if I will give medal to the minister of the year, is Pastor Qatar from, uh, from India. Why? In my email, I have more than 200 emails from Pastor Qatar in the past two years. I have email from him for every service held in this church. Every service. I will show it to you if you want to come and have a look at it. Midweek services, he will turn in on live. When we finish any midweek service, even now, he turns into the, the midweek service of Cathedral and of New Cross with his members live. Now, and after that lesson, he will send me an email immediately thanking God for what I said and quote me. In the next email, you say that this thing you said, we did this about it. This is the result we got. Every, I'm, you know, I can't lie before you. Every day, I can show you my last meeting before he left India. He's here. So, for a man like that, anything that's going on with him, I know it. Are we together now? It's not when problem happens, he's coming to call apostle. I can know that this guy... He didn't, he didn't tell me problems, but when he writes, I can know where there are problems. The only problem that he'll identify there is that, oh, pray for this person because he's having this issue. Oh, this is our church in, in this city, please, the, this person has this issue, please pray for him. Oh, the father of this person here, please, have this let's pray for him. Those are the things he asked me. But when I read his writing, I can see that church. Is a grace I have by the Lord. And let me say something to you. I discussed something with him that, ah, what about this issue? <laughs> and and I, I will tell you this. He said to me that, no, 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 Apostle, we're not even thinking about that number. It's too expensive. I said, what is expensive? How much is expensive? And he told me, and I shook my head. When I came to my, to my room, 
Somebody came to me and said, God told me that I should sow a seed for India property. I haven't discussed it with my administrators, nor with my wife. I called them, I told them that. We need a headquarters in Sandaga, where you are. A property that will be our own. Because now we have about seven, six, six branches all over the place, from one place. We need a property. How much is the property? He told me, ah, it's very expensive. And he told me one small piece of plot. Very expensive. I said, okay, go and get six of it. <laughs> and uh, he said, okay, we'll tell, uh, ask the government about it. And I said, don't worry about it. Just get minimum of an acre. That would be about six or, or eight of that size. So that we can build a church, we can build a school, we can build a... You know, uh, any other thing benevolent. And he said, okay, okay, Papa. And we left. I went to my office and somebody came to me. He just said, I want to go to India with you, Apostle, this week, uh, this month. That's the only trip I want to go with you. And I've taken, I'm working at my office. I want to know how much is it so I can buy my tickets and all stuff like that. And then I gave him a few information about the testimonies, reports that I had from him. And the lady came back to me and said that, you know, out of my business money, God told me to give this towards the building. And I haven't told anybody about it. So what is God saying to me? It is done. I'm talking about internal control and external monitoring. That is what killed the big institution, Barron's Bank, Pamela's and the rest of it. All right, let me finish with you. Number four, no succession plan is a bad recipe. If you don't have people who can handle the church when you are not there, and people who, if you die, they can carry on downline succession plans. All right, now write this down, ministerial ethics. The first ministerial ethics is Malachi chapter 2, verse 7. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. We have looked at that in the week. So the mouth of a priest must preserve knowledge. Your members must not know Bible more than you. You see something come on with me and the dog. We quote the scriptures across the Bible. We don't tell the stories of the Bible inaccurate. All right? Yeah. Number two, ministerial ethics. You must not appoint leaders who are not capable. So, in evaluating leadership, first quality, such people must be matured believers with sound knowledge of the Word of God. A regular attendance, especially to the midweek services, not because they have been in church for many years. Good communicator, confidence, and with good self-esteem. A leader must belong to a department involved in evangelism and must be a member of the GTA. That is the intercession team. People that you nominate for leadership. 
Because leadership are people that you can rely upon for everything that you, you know, all your areas of work. Number two, any, anyone called by God to ministry must have a heart for the perishing. And this is demonstrated by intercession and evangelism. Don't honor people with ordination. Number three, you are getting this, don't worry if you didn't write it. I want the printout I asked for. Number three, appoint people for reflection, you know, to share the word of God for 10 minutes. What that means is that have a, a template in the church where you can just call people to come and share with the others so that you can use that to evaluate them. People to come and lead prayers and you can use that to evaluate their maturity. Number four. Turn your midweek services to complete Bible study. Where you study Bible book by book, chapter by chapter. Don't do anything on Wednesday. Friday is prayer meeting, you can preach. But midweek, just let them go through each book and you go through with them, teaching them verse by verse. That will help you, Pastor, to, to finish the Bible, which you probably might not have done before. I would together. If you are going to teach the people, you know, like we do here, you will see that when they come in, we tell the people what to read. They will read it. You too will read it. When they come, they must share first what they learn. I will together. Then before you now teach them. So if you have to do that, it means you will read very well to be able to teach the Bible. And that is your job as a minister. Number five, of course, your intercession meeting weekend. You can use that as a training board. Now, intercession. Then one thing that we have started also, which has worked for us, is prayer every day. Jesus says, my heart shall be a house of prayer. And he said to them in Gethsemane, will you not watch for an hour? So we recognize from that is that Jesus wants believers to pray at least an hour every day. And if you look at the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 46, Jesus attended the temple daily. If you have a building, it should be a place of prayer. It shouldn't be a place locked up and gathering dust. When you don't have a building, you beg God for a building. Now you have a building, you shut it. Even the shop in Death High Street opens more than your church. That is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. The business of the church is to speak to God. The business of a grocery is to sell grocery. The house of God must be open to prayer daily. 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 Don't be too busy as not to be able to attend prayer daily. I am telling you. We're asking for power. It doesn't come by somebody going away for 30 days and fasting and getting it. No. It comes by somebody systematically, daily, devotionally praying and seeking God. That's how power comes. Some have fasted, they died. Yeah, God didn't stop them from dying. They went long fast and they died. It happened again and again in the church of God. Because God said in the book of Isaiah 58 that they're not fasting to Him. There is no microwave with God. Little drops of water. It says in the book of Mark eleven seventeen, And as he taught them, he said, It is written, Is it not written, My house will be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it a den of robbers. Then in chapter 26, verse 40, Matthew. 
Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you not? Could you men not watch, keep watch with me for an hour? He asked them. I've read Luke chapter 18. It says Jesus taught them this parable to see, to help them, uh, to teach them that men ought to pray and not give up or faint. Now let me say that I wrote here under your uh, your ministerial ethics that you need to pray there are some things that you need to pray about one is to pray about revival all the time and God's visitation and you find that in Psalm 85 verse 6, will you not revive us again O Lord, that thy people may rejoice in you number two, you must pray for laborers all the time and that is Luke chapter 10 verse 2 he told them the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. As the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in the harvest field. Let me ask you something. As a minister, if one day you don't think about spreading out in your, in your church, you are lost. There is no doctor who will not think of a surgery every day. Alright? There is no engineer who will not think about the construction work he's doing every day. Really, in construction work, we set out and then we have issues that we can't resolve. We go home, you carry it in your mind, sometimes you will now dream the solution because it has saturated your mind. I will together now. Same thing you do in law. Professionals, that's what they do. So you cannot say you are a shepherd when you are void of your duty. In your mind, how do you reach the people? When you come every Sunday and you see the same people, how do you feel? You feel comfortable? That's not good. That's not shepherding. So you must pray for laborers. You must see the laborers that have not entered. Number three, you must pray against deception of Satan. Second Corinthians 11.3 Satan should not deceive your leaders, should not deceive your members. He says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. You see many people in churches, they don't come on midweek. It's Satan. This is the scripture. You're, when the devotion of somebody is now going down, that person is under the cunning of the devil. And the scripture can never lie. Number four. So you need to pray for your members' mind and hearts. You know when you just see people quarreling for nothing in church? Who do you think is in action? The devil. Let me tell you something. Somebody one day in CFT came. To me, I said, Apostle, I saw a spirit came to the church. And the spirit went into the mouth, ear of this person, he whispered something. And he went to the ear of that person, he whispered something. And this person spoke to this person, and this person spoke to this person, and this one spoke to this person. At that time, there is no problem. Everything was going on perfect. Love, our people were in heaven on earth. I said, I've had you. Because Jesus said that a sower sowed the seed, which is spiritual, from God. Evil bird, he ate spiritual thing. He took it from them. So, just about a year or two after, then what he saw began to happen. And I taught you when I was dealing with crisis yesterday, how I dealt with it. Because I have been warned, the enemy is coming to do this. So, 
The greatest mistake a minister can do is to give the devil recognition. He will finish your work. So I sidelined him and I allowed it to breed so that those who will not enter Canaan with me will leave. And they left voluntarily. When they left, that is when God provided for us to buy the first church. This building too, when we are going to buy this building, the same thing happened. Some people began to speak. And the people who is the, the person who didn't leader is a person that you can close your mouth, eyes, and tell you how to put water in your mouth. Yes. I knew her when she was like this. I would mean her. Okay? But at the same time, too, in the one for cathedral, really, till the last minute, I didn't know that she was perpetrating that. I still was hugging her, telling her secret things, and working with her. And the Holy Ghost did not tell me. I would mean now. When God does that, what does Jesus say? He said, you are heaping coal of fire. So when that person now, suddenly I just came. You know, you can't deceive a prophet. I just came one day and I said, okay, in this organization, you, 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 this is what I'm going to do. Now, give it, restructure everything. And then there is a, a rebound. What is the matter with you? Something is wrong with you there. Then I look closer. Then that's what I saw. I would get now. If we appoint a leader to do something and you remove him from there, if that letter have a, that letter have contention, remember yesterday. And we deal with crisis. A leader you can serve anywhere. So, and that person just decided to not do her duty again, not to come to church again. But unfortunately, two or three people have been deceived by her too in the top leadership and they have come to me and said that look at us we are going because what they were saying is that which building you're not getting any building you stay with him he's deceiving you that's what they said and nobody told me and i was loving them i was investing in them now let me say this to you they built we did not receive the key until they are all kicked out by god <laughs> the one that did not say i'm going came to me the one causing trouble didn't say i'm going no. She just left for some time. I didn't see her. So I used that to shut, close the door. So when she didn't come for some time, I appointed other people to take her role. No quarrel now. You didn't tell me you are going, but you didn't come. The principle is that if you don't come to, to meet him for three weeks, sorry, you are relieved. So I did that. And then she now came behind me. And, the, and then I now pulled the group together when I did that. And I taught them about the sin of rebellion. is as witchcraft. The deception of Satan. How he will use one person that he has taken. And he will try to shipwreck innocent people to pollute your mind into evil. And I told them, you cannot allow your mind to be polluted. But you know what? After I sanitized the whole place, she now came back. The one who, I, one of the ones I appointed said, you cannot come here. This person that they respect before and they obey. So you can't come and say, what is it? Apostle have put me in charge. And he has said, anybody who we didn't see for a while cannot come unless he comes to him. So go to Apostle now. He said, you? He said, you don't understand. I'm telling the truth. That's it. And that is what brought shame to her. And she just left goodly. But 
God did not bless us until he weeded out the Sambalaks and Tobias. But you know something? You must not allow whatever the devil is doing to bother you. My mother used to say that I'm not educated, but that one tree cannot say, We have come. Can you see a tree in the forest say, We are forest? And it's only one tree. Okay? A tree cannot make a forest. So she will say to me that, my son, remember this. You need other people. <laughs> you need them, they need you. So, understanding then, therefore, that you must pray against the deception of Satan of our church. Okay. Now, two more things that you must remember. Remember that the pulpit is not, it's, your pulpit is yours. And anybody you invite to it. And you must be careful who step your pulpit. They can bless what you have done, take you to a higher level. They can destroy what you have done. Let me say that in fatherhood, you can't have two fathers. If you have two fathers, you are confused. You will not be blessed through either of them. Because what fatherhood is, what brings blessing of the father to the sons is soul bonding. So when God visits the man, because your spirit is bond with him, you will receive something. But if you think that, oh, this father said, that father said, you are the most confused man. Because also another danger is that you cannot appoint a father you do not know. A man you cannot approach. A man that you cannot know who he is. How can a father you? Have you seen a non-resident father? He will give birth to a vagabond. Are you together now? You need to understand this. Your puppet is yours. And be careful who you invite to your puppet. Now, let me now take you through quickly duties and obligations of a resident pastor. Ministers, if you look at your people, you see that this is an obligation of a resident pastor. Ministers should work in the best interest of the church. That is what you sign from God. And 2 Corinthians 5.10 Therefore, a pastor... Or a minister has a duty of care, skill, and diligence. I'm just summarizing the things I've taught you there. Study to show yourself, approve workman, skill. Feed the sheep, care. Be diligent to know your ways, diligence. A pastor or minister have what they call fiduciary duty to the church and her members. And fiduciary is the relationship between a trustee and a beneficiary. Alright? To God, you are a trustee because God entrusted the lives of the people into your hand and you will give account to God how you take care of their life. Let me say this to you. If anybody wants to be blessed and you are a pastor or a pastor's wife, just love the flock more than anything. 
If you don't, forget it. Let me say something to you. <clears throat> Allow your flock to be ordinary human beings. Some of them are noble, some of them are ignoble. Uh, you will always have some time that even some people you know, who are faithful could come under deception and they could react. Don't, block, block, don't, don't throw them out. Remember, recognize their faithfulness. Help to restore them. One day, you know, in this house we have um, some members of the leadership who count money. I'll give you this example. I'm talking about as a shepherd and a shepherd's wife, you must, out of your own pocket, bless your members. If you don't bless them, you will not be blessed. Okay? Apart from the fact that if you bless somebody, when God now blesses that person, he will be hilarious to, to bless you back. Especially in the days when people don't expect you to bless them. And so, God puts in mommy's heart that these people who come on it, they will stay after service till late night, helping us with that. Why don't we cook for them? Because everybody had gone home and eaten. When she, she was doing that from her pocket, she was out of her means cooking for them. And then one day she now said, ah, why don't I let all the women leaders be blessed? When she extended it, somebody came among those who were counting the money. But mommy, why should you do that? We are okay. You know, you can easily think that, oh, people who are counting money say they are okay. All right, maybe we should stop it. No, you are the head. She told that person, you can be okay, but you will eat. And then the message came to me. And I told her that that's what is good. The people who thought that, why should we be doing that? They are the ones who put in front line. They must do it. Because they ask why. That's why they must do first. What, you, what none of you will want is to end up with me. So she compelled them to do it. And after some time, they saw the blessing for doing it. Sometimes she would decide every December she would save her money from January to December. And December she began to buy things for leaders. It is her money, it's not church money. She will buy suit for some people, she will buy tie for some people, share for some people. I have had issues when she gave some people suit. And he said, but, but mommy, you don't have to worry. And she said that, okay, give it to me. And they didn't give it back. <laughs> <laughs> so that I would give somebody who, I've worried, I would give somebody else. They didn't give it back. I said, okay, now have it. The following year, the same person, she will buy a game for her. You know, at the beginning when she was doing that, she was just giving. But now, all her clothes is bought by somebody. In this church today, there are people who will walk to me. Nobody knows them in the church. They are young in this church. They will say, Daddy, I want to appreciate you. And take. I open the 2,000 pounds. They are young people in this church. That I would never think they have 10 pounds. Yes. They are casual. 
Okay? And not once, they will come again. One of them asked her, asking that, where are you getting this money? And then he now sat, she sat me down and showed me all the business she's doing. Now I said, God, if you sent me, single this one out. Things exploded. I would be now. You, the spiritual father and mother, must live by example. Take your, put your hand in your pocket, give your members. You give them according to your power. Okay? And you give it from your heart. And if any one of them is like the other one I said, ah, what are, why, you don't need it. Tell him that I'm your mother, I clothe you. And you need it. And you must wear it. If you don't wear it, I will announce you on the pulpit. That I gave him a shirt. He doesn't want it. Go and wear my shirt. Bring it. Let me see. Yes. Because see, the church is like your children. Some children, you buy them a particular so They will say, no, 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 no. I want slim feet. Before, when you, when you, when you walk and you earn, go and buy your slim feet. But this one I wear in Jambu. We are it now. <laughs> but your child who says that I want slim feet, do you fight him? Do you stop buying for him? No, you just tell him that a slim feet is waiting. When you know how to work with your hand, go buy slim feet. Here now, you wear this one I give you. And when the children grow up now, and they are now working, they will now say that, Mommy, as you used to buy us jambu, we buy a jambu too. And they come back to you. We must understand God's thing. We have a duty before God to care for the flock. They will provoke you, and you must love them in your provocation, their provocation. So, fiduciary duty is a relation between trustee and beneficiary. And it, em- it embraces duty of trust and confidence. I've shared a lot about that with you. A pastor must not have conflict of interest. If you are a resident pastor, you cannot be traveling about looking for people to preach without permission from your headquarters. Because you are employed to that local place. If you look at in CFT, you can understand that apostle doesn't go all over. I go to my own people, okay, to build their churches. If I want to be a Scar Baba Joe pastor, I have, I have opportunity all over the world. If I enter any nation, I can phone, I have their telephone numbers in my phone. I can, if I phone some of them, all the biggest names you have in America, hello, this apostle names, I'm coming to the U.S. They will say, at last, you are coming here. But God will ask me where he sent me. We are not serving, we are not shepherd because it's a profession to read money. Be careful. Conflict of interest. Every tip of my message that I preach here, can I earn from it? No. Because they are, they are things I did in the act of my duty. Okay? So if I sell these tips and put the money in my pocket, that is conflict of interest. Because I'm employed by God as a shepherd over this house. Now, if the administrator said that, look, for every tip that we sell, we will give you X amount, then it's no more conflict. It's a benefit in kind. All right? 
When I wrote my first book, every penny out of it, I, I used my money to publish it. But all the money that came out of it went to church. If I write a book and I use the church money to publish it, that is complete of interest. And it's a fiduciary breach. If I use the church money to publish it, every penny that comes out of it forever must be in the church. But if I write a book in my own, um, you know, leisure, not the hours of office, and I help you understand that, then that is my intellectual property, intellectual creation, which is allowable in ministry. And I must not mix it with church. Because it is my intellectual writing. If the church will sell my books, it is like they sell the book of anybody. I must pay them for it. Handling and all the stuff. It is like I go to the Amazon and Amazon sell my books. Amazon will charge me for printing, leave the charge 40%. Of the total amount. To print it and send it. So we need to understand. The fiduciary duty you must not bridge. For legal reasons and also for godly reasons. Five divisions of your duty. One, fiduciary. Two, loyalty. Three, honesty. Four, good faith. Five, skill and care. Now we are almost finishing. So, fiduciary duty, therefore, is the principal duty that embraces all the duties of a shepherd, which involves loyalty, honesty, and competence. Don't worry about the court case I put there. <laughs> that is the case, uh, extra short travel insurance, where the dictum was established. Now, let me read the scriptures to you now. As... Um, Concluding all these duties. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. The goal of this command is love which comes from a pure and good conscience and sincere heart. And you know you have, that is part of your duty. You know, transparency, good conscience. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18 to 19. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight a good fight, holding on the, onto faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected this and have so shipwrecked their faith. The next one. 1 Timothy 3, 8-9. Dickens likewise are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the, of the deep truth of the faith with a clear conscience. Your conscience. Then 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. Did you see this? With a clear conscience, in night and day, as night and day, I constantly remember you in prayer. Did you see that? That's a shepherd talking. A man who doesn't remember his flock day and night, anything can happen to your, to your people, is your fault. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. The next one is Hebrews 13, 18. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. That is what clear conscience gives you. Now I'm going to read the rest. I write that the duties of, of a pastor include conducting, coordinating service. I want to go down and finish just this section. All those duties and obligations, they are practical things you need to do at home. Now, let me end up reading to you your mental development. The rules of engagement, too, we have covered it. Be thou an example, number one. Let your light shine, number two. Number three, pastor must be humble, reverent, and respectful. We have treated it. Number four, pastors must keep watch over the flock. Number five, pastors must have a lifestyle that can be emulated. Are you all in this page? Now, let me talk of mental development, and I'll do that in 10 minutes. Thank you for your patience. Mental development and critical thinking. Pastors, as the chief executive officer of the church, is engaged in strategic decisions in his church. You cheer every decision made. Some will be purely spiritual. Some will be domestic. Some will be intellectual. Critical thinking, therefore, involves, one, searching for hidden assumptions, two, justifying your own assumptions, three, judging the rationality of those assumptions, and four, test the accuracy of those assumptions. Those are the four fundamental pillars of a critical thinker. I wrote something here. Which Dr. Cecil said when he was teaching you. He said, Bride always argue. Uh, sorry. Pride, sorry. Correct that. Yeah, I didn't check the. Pride always argue. Okay. Humility adjusts. A critical thinker, when you are corrected, you listen. I told you that if a, a madman on the street can instruct a wisest man. I would get it now. A critical thinker will, will listen to a criticism. Doesn't mean you accept it. But the criticism communication may not be good. Okay? And that criticism itself may not be constructive. But what you want to look for is that why should that criticism come at all? So that when you can know why the criticism, then you can know the legitimacy of that criticism. That person may have a right, a good reason, but because that person is not, is not sound enough, he communicated it wrongly. Though he communicated wrongly, you will still improve your life by it. So I will read to you the scriptures, but understand this. A critical thinker is such as hidden assumptions, always inquiring for hidden things. He justifies his own assumptions, what you're thinking about. You make sure that anything you see has basis of the scripture. He judged the rationality of those assumptions. What about the application of it? You know, like I told all of you, 
when we are having convention, sometimes the evening meeting you don't find some people. Sometimes you don't find them, you know, in a, in a, a particular service. The first thing that comes to my mind is not judgment. is maybe they are working. Maybe they are in school. I have no reason to think somebody who is under me will not be faithful to God. I don't have any reason to say that. Unless somebody now proves it. And I told you, if I now call you and say, why well, didn't you see in church? Uh, Apostle, I went to school. And I was not told about this school before you started. Then I will ask you, that what's going on in your head? How can you start a school? You didn't tell me. Common sense is that if you are under a boss in an organization and you will not be able to come early, you will phone your boss and tell him that I will not come early because of such and such a thing. Or you are not going to be at work at a particular time. You need to phone your boss and say that I am not. You want to go for a course, you tell your boss, I, will be, I want to go for a course. But a critical thinker doesn't see an error and then just, you know, you know, validate. No. A critical thinker doesn't do that. I hope you must always think that people have a legitimate reason why they are not able to fulfill their obligation. They are not guilty until they prove guilty. So, that is, the, that is the principle of critical thinking. Alright? Now, in critical reasoning, you must not be a fault finder. That's what I just said. But your judgment should be based on three things. Critical observation, critical investigation, and then sit down, Selah. That is critical consideration. I beg you to do this thing. This, all these qualities are found in Christ and in every prophet of the Bible. And I'll just read one or two to you. Then critical reasoning is something defined as a skill. Or cluster of skills which involves reasoning logically. That is argument that shows clear sound reasoning. That is logical reasoning. Logical to be logical is not to be satanic. It is to be reasonable. Then the ability to locate underlying assumption. When people are talking to you, you can look at where what is the source of their 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 statement. What was the assumption behind what they are saying? Okay? Some people have skill like that, you know. Others have to build it up. And then analytic and um, argumentative skill. You know, to argue is not a wrong thing. But I tell you that the Bible says we should avoid vain arguments. So constructive argument is what you get involved in. Something that you will benefit from. And what arguments, what brings argument is, um, if I'm not convinced that what you are saying is the right thing, then I want more explanation from you. Not, not antagonizing, you know, what you are saying, but I want more, more, more information. The last part of it is that in terms of approaches to study, that is approach, applying critical reasoning to studies, it can be applied to the ability to, the ability to be curious when you are a curious person, you are just exhibiting the nature of critical thinker. When you are very flexible, that is, you know, you can listen to several counsel, you can listen to several opinions, you know, you are not rigid in your way. You may decide this, but others can suggest, even if they are your members, and their suggestion may be the right thing. You are very flexible. What I told you that you can't argue with the pastor is the destination. But how we get there, you can suggest. The pastor says that we are going to be 1,000 this month. You can't say, how can it be? The one who said it, he saw it, but he did not taste it. 
I will get it now. He saw it, but did not taste this. Even he said, even if God opened the floodgates of heaven. And God did open the floodgates of heaven. He saw it, but he died in the midst of it. Now, these are the scriptures that you look into that just summarize all what we have said. First Corinthians 28 verse 9. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father, and serve him with wholehearted devotion, and willing, or with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all every heart, and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. These are biblical templates for critical thinker. And this is what David gave to his son Solomon. Now, another one that challenges me among critical thinkers in the Bible is Joshua 1.8. Do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate. That is critical thinking. All right? On it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything. That is process of critical thinking. Alright? Evaluating, checking what you have said, being flexible, being curious, and, you know, skeptical. Not easily convinced, but once you are convinced, that's the right thing. And it says that you will make your way prosperous. Now, if you look at this scripture, it justifies what I told you that the Lord said to me that I've given everybody who is my children what to prosper. But we always ignore it. And we are chasing shadow most times. So we'll look within now. Your little vase of oil is inside you. And that is what we fill your barrels. But many of us have the little vase of oil, but we don't appreciate ourselves. We are going to look to borrow from other people. No. You have something to offer. And that we will search within today, tomorrow, and get into it. Now, I love Habakkuk so much. Look at this. Habakkuk 2.1. I will stand on my watch, critical thinker, and station myself on the rampart. I will look to see what he will say to me. Anybody who approaches God in that kind of mood, you will get from God. Really, I tell you that God reveals to critical thinkers. And critical thinkers are the ones who, who bust mysteries. They are the ones who invent things. They are the ones who dare what normal man would not dare. They are the ones who look into a road where there is just no road. And they will find out that, oh, there is a road, it's just this way. When you take this way out, it's a big road there. And this attitude of Habakkuk, he never goes to God just to dump God with request. No. When Habakkuk knocked the door, heaven knows that he will not stop until God speaks. All of us can hear God clearly. I told you about when I go to name a baby, I will tell them what the baby will be. Even some baby, I tell the sex and their, their, their name before they were born, before the parents even knew that they were, even before they were conceived. Okay? How does it come? Because I ask God. I ask God. I'm going to name that baby. What is about the baby? When Jesus was named, two prophets spoke. So what is wrong with my, my, my own mouth? You don't get because you don't have such mind to hear. You don't have such men to inquire of the Lord. You don't have to be a prophet to know that. When I see people, my thinking is different. When I'm looking at you, each one of you, my thinking is very, very different. I'm looking at you and we are talking, but I'm thinking about you. You know, it can stem from something you have told me about yourself, which is a problem which has not been resolved. You tell me you have a problem, I won't forget it until that solution, or I go to, to my grace with it. 
A mind like that, God speaks to. Anybody, whatever your age, if you have such mind before God, He will speak to you. Same thing when I have information about nations and all stuff like that. It's because I think about them. I think about the nations. I pray. I ask God, what's going to happen in Nigeria? And then God tells me, what's going to happen in America? God tells me, okay, if that man wins in America, what would be the position? He tells me, the rep tells me, I called mommy uh, last year, one day, and I saw uh, the Labour Party man coming. And I, I looked at him. I've been monitoring him for a while spiritually. And the Lord said to me that this one will not see the light of day, you know, in this country. I said, Mommy, the Lord said this man is not going to be a prime minister here. Do you know something? About a month after, people started talking against him. People started talking against him. I would mean now. An opinion poll is terrible. Of course, somebody has to take his place. You can only hang on what God has not destined for a little while. So what I'm saying is that critical thinker get things from God. And then we end up with the Isaiah 54, 2-5, which we have read. A critical thinker must enlarge his thinking. You must see yourself as God sees you. And you must try to see your members, not as they are behaving, but as God sees them. So that you can help them from their misdemeanor to... When you see your work on them and they are changing, you'll be happy. You, you know what they were when they came. And when they begin, begin to change, you'll be very, very happy as a shepherd. God didn't, he didn't, he didn't give you angels to pastor. Neither did he give you demons, because demons cannot repent. He gave you human beings that can either be devil or, or angel, and they can be devil for a while, but you will change them from devil to angel without allowing their misbehavior to determine your judgment of them or affect the way you treat them. Is that not interesting? Somebody who just passed by a pastor and just look at you like this and, and go. And you have to love him or her. Huh? And you can't be angry because he did that. Why you can call the person and say, ah, Abba, I'm your pastor now. <laughs> why are you treating me like that? <laughs> Do you consider why are you treating me like that? I'm your pastor. He can even argue with you that which pastor are you? All these years I've been under you. What have I got? He will blame it on you. I will say, okay, now that you are talking, you will get something. <laughs> Rather than to say to him that you will never get anything here. Some people do that. Because you say that, you won't get anything. That would be talking contrary to God. A moderate yesterday went to God and asked for mercy. And God had mercy on him. You don't write them up. We're going to stop there. Tomorrow I will talk to you about the budgeting and purpose of budget. And then we'll look into more spiritual things really tomorrow. Uh, one of the things that I have in my mind is bringing your vision to, to pass and also uh, operating in the supernatural. I'll be looking at that in the second part of the day. That is the God of wonders. What we're looking at the God of wonders is building your faith that you can operate in supernatural. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is our last day. Whippy! <laughs> We started on Monday. We are looking at the day. 
How many? It looks like long time. Now we started the day. Now you know what? Now I can relax a little bit. Because today is Thursday. Hallelujah. And tomorrow will be fire for fire. Hallelujah. Has the Lord not been good to us? Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Let's rise up together, please. The first thing we are going to do is to thank God for the next person beside you. Just begin to thank God for all these people beside you. Why is it that God has just selected a few of us to be partakers? Oh, Lord, my God. Thank you, Lord. Thank God for how God has blessed us this week. Now we're going to thank God for yourself. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Father. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my very soul shall Something that you are expecting from God and you haven't got it. With a heart of gladness unto God who is able and He will do all things for you. You begin to say, Lord, I thank you for this. I receive it by faith and I thank you it's done. Lift up your voice and pray to God.
my king. For with God, all things are possible. We give you the praise and honor and glory. Thank you. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying. The one who gives sight to the clay, and the clay began to see. I ask you for sight for every one of us. It is written, the mystery belongs to God, mystery things, but things revealed belong to us. Our portion of revelation in your heart. Open our eyes to see it. This ministry, this week, I see, Lord, that it's about angels. You have trained us so much about the kind of mindsets that can attract angelic ministry. And people are encountering them already. Father, what you have deposited in us this week. Father, we see it in the blood of Jesus. I pray that the devil will not be able to take it away from us. Lord, I have asked your people that they should look inside them for two things. For the potentials that you put in them that they know, but they have never used it. Also for the assets you have given to them that they know and they turn away from their eyes from it. But then we are now asking you for blessing from any of another source that you didn't provide. So, Lord, as people look at their hidden potential, open their eyes to discover. Amen. As you will be thinking about the assets you have given them, things that they could do, which you have given them, work on, build on, start, move, and it will have brought the finance we want. But they have ignored it because they put their hands into many other things. Father, between now and tomorrow, even in the vision of the night, open our eyes to discover them. So that when we come in tomorrow, Lord, everybody will have a revelation of himself. This does not only address financial issue, but also spiritual. Some people, they see vision once in a while. Some people used to see vision, they don't see anymore. And Lord, the things they did initially that brought the vision, bring it back to their mind. So that we will write down lines of action, steps we will take when we live here. And you will empower us to take those steps. Thank you, Father, because you have done it. In Jesus' name we pray. Before I dismiss you, I find out that we have a problem today. That television... I was told that it's, it has a problem. We will go and look for um, uh, the. I uh, will check the receipts and.
when everything changes. This is the year when things will never be the same again. This is 2017, the year of transformation. He that is seated on the throne said, I'm making all things new. Tell the Lord, transform my life this year. Make new of my life. Join Apostle Alfred Williams, residing Bishop of Christ Faith Tabernacle in 2017 and let your life be transformed for eternity. We look forward to welcoming you to our beautiful cathedral, Ebenezer Building. This stunning Gothic masterpiece is a place where you will rise above the battles of life and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. For further information on our incredible venue for hire packages, contact us now. And now, to aid you in this year of transformation, the calling of Apostle Williams DVD is available at amazon.co.uk and Apostle's brand new book The Call of Apostle at apostlewilliams.com 2017 the year of transformation at Christ Faith Tabernacle Ebenezer Building 186 Power Street Woodies London SE18 6NL visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332 2017 is your year of transformation you can now join us for the explosions that are happening in our satellite churches Berlin, Germany Ennis, Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, Limerick, Ireland, Bristol, UK, Birmingham, UK, Chandigarh, India, Mararaba, Nigeria, Lagos, Nigeria, and Abuja, Nigeria. When everything changes, this is the year when...